So this morning, uh, Pastor Rich asked me to uh, bring the word, and I accepted, so uh, I get to talk about whatever I want. (laughs) So if you notice, I'm dressed kind of comfortably today. My wife noticed right away, and she was like, do you have something to go over that shirt? (laughs) I said, no, because today I'm going to be talking about comic books, (laughs) okay? So... uh, a couple, couple of my favorite uh, characters from comic books. Uh, I'm just going to highlight real quick and give you a little bit of background on the character and a little bit of uh, their powers. <laughs> so these are, I mean, everybody can relate to comic books, right? They came out, gosh, when was the first comic book? 1950s? 30s, yeah, yeah, 30s, 40s. Okay, so... It was, it's always been like the imagination of these incredible guys that wrote these comic books to uh, have a powerful hero and a powerful villain and the ultimate struggle for good and evil kind of thing. And, and comic books are a little bit different these days, but it's, it's still kind of the same framework, you know, that powerful person that's been either born that way or through some... Uh, circumstances gain this incredible strength, and uh, a couple of my favorites are, you know, I grew up in the, I was born in 83, so I grew up in the 90s, so one of my favorites is Wolverine, just a, a small guy who's about five foot five and uh, could heal incredibly quick. He had the power of healing, so nobody could really hurt him, and through that, he was uh, grafted with this you know, imaginary super strength metal to a skeleton. So he's basically indestructible. Kind of lived for, not lived forever, but lived for a very, very long time. Kind of like Pastor Rich. I didn't think he was over 50. <laughs> but, uh, and Spider-Man was always one of my favorites. You know, bit by a radioactive spider. Because that could happen to anybody, right? Anybody could be Spider-Man. And, uh, you know, learned some hard lessons, made some hard choices when he was younger. Great power comes great responsibility, taught to him by his uncle. And uh, he ends up finding his way and, and turning into a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and then a superhero in his own right. And then probably my, my most favorite is the Incredible Hulk, depicted here <laughs> under my beard. Uh, and the Incredible Hulk, another accident, and he gained this incredible strength and... and uh, Sometimes he was, wasn't even able to control it, but he would get mad and turn into this big monster, and the madder he got, the bigger and stronger he got. And uh, just the power depicted in these comic books, it was always intriguing, and I think it's intriguing to, to everybody. That's why they're so popular. But uh, I wanted to highlight, even beyond all those powers and all these characters, you know, on my shirt and, and all these different comic books, we actually possess a power that's greater than all of those, right? And, and it was a power given by God in the very beginning when he created man. He gave us the power to choose. And the power of a choice is more powerful than, than we, could, we could even imagine. It has the power to shape our future. It has the power to in shaping our future, shape our eternity. It has the power to impact not only us, but those around us. So, I mean, you could, you could say that arguably 
the power of a choice is the ultimate power, right? You could do anything with the power of a choice. It puts all those other powers to shame. For example, a choice can lead to happiness or it can lead to despair. A choice could lead to health and wellness or a choice could lead to sickness. A choice could lead to even wealth or a choice could lead to poverty. So such drastic things that could happen just in the choices that we make. Indeed, all great figures in history can be tracked back to their choices. They're great because of their choices, right? President Abraham Lincoln, he's a great figure in history because of the choices that he made to stand up against the status quo and to say, no, this is not right. All men were created equal and free. Freedom is from, uh, given by God. And these choices didn't just impact, you know, one man. They impacted all of history. And we can, we can look at all different figures in history. We can look at, you know, the, the big ones that pop into mind are, say, like Hitler. He was a man that made several choices. You know, whether they were evil or good, he made choices that led him on the path that he decided to walk on. And those choices impacted the globe. It threw the world into war and impacted, I would say, there was not a, a person, man, woman, or child on the planet Earth that was not impacted by that war because of the choices of, of a man. So our choices can be uh, very localized, you know, we can choose, there's small choices, there's big choices, and sometimes we don't know that a choice is going to be large or small. Uh, say like, you know, what we have for lunch, that's not really a big choice. <laughs> but maybe the, the uh, choice we make to, uh, in our career, you know, that's, that's a big choice, not just for me, but it's going to impact all the people around me. It's going to impact especially my family and my wife and kids. And uh, Paul made the choice to, to endeavor in the, the lighthouse ministry, which I think is incredible. And that's a choice that will impact an entire community, right? Because discipleship is key. I mean, evangelism is, is key as well, but they all fit together. We're many different parts in one body, and they all fit together. And discipleship is a big part of that. So we, we are able to uh, minister to people, and they see the power of God through these amazing students in global and supernatural encounter and it's like, wow, where do we go from here? And we don't want to say, well, enjoy that, you know, think about that. <laughs> We're on to the next person, but we want to bring them in and we, sit, and we want to disciple them and uh, show them the disciplines that it takes to follow Jesus and teach them how to make those choices that will lead to a relationship and ultimately blessing in their own life. So we're going to open up our Bible, or in this case, our iPhone. 
and go to our Bible app. And I'm going to read from Genesis. We're going to go back to one of the original choices that impacted all of mankind. I thought about, you know, talking about Noah and how he didn't squash that pair of mosquitoes, but we just, (laughs) we landed on Adam instead. (laughs) So Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat from it, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them and whatever the man called them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that's what, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle and all the birds of the sky and every beast of the field. Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon him. And he slept, and then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib, which he had taken from man, and brought her to him. And the man said, This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. So, God creates man. He creates the garden, and he puts Adam and Eve in the garden. He puts Adam in the garden. He he creates Eve and he says, here, you work the garden. You cultivate it. This is the end goal. Eventually, you and your descendants will make the entire world tame the wilderness and you'll make it like the garden. Okay, that was the end goal. Be fruitful, multiply, work, cultivate, and be happy. And God would fellowship with them and and he poured himself into this creation. And I want to highlight, well, let's, let's go to chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And I, you know, I really, really wanted to bring one of my pet snakes in as a demonstration. <laughs> and I decided against it. I thought it would be great to pull out a python. <laughs> But really, Roxanne was the reason I decided not to. I didn't want to. <laughs> I, didn't. <laughs> uh, I just couldn't do that to her. She's just so sweet, and I couldn't uh, pull a, you know. <laughs> and he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? So the serpent is, is questioning what God said. Okay, and uh, so God makes the garden, and he puts two trees right in the middle of the garden. He puts the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, you can eat from that one and any other tree, just not that one. So God pours himself into this creation, his, his most precious creation, right? He stoops down in the dirt 
He forms Adam. He breathes into him. So God actually imparts himself into Adam, gives him all of the dominion over the earth, uh, gives him everything he can give him. And then the most amazing thing he gives him is the ability to choose not to love God. I mean, think about that. God doesn't, he doesn't create Adam and Eve, mankind, and say, okay, now this is the way it's going to be. He could have just left that one tree out, and it would have been great. We never would have known any better. We would have fellowship with God. We would have been happy. It would have been perfect. But God wanted a people that would love him of their own free will. So he gave us the power of choice. Okay. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now, this is a whole different message, but I'm sure Adam loved his wife very much. He was the only suitable partner that was found in all the, all the earth. So he loved her very much. So he's probably trying to protect her. But see, he made the choice to add to what God had told him. So God said, don't eat from that tree because in the day you eat from it, you'll surely die. So Adam goes to his wife and he says, look, we can't eat from this one tree. We're just not even going to go near it. <laughs> okay, don't touch it and don't eat from it or you'll die. So he adds on to what God, to God's command which gives the enemy room to deceive the woman. Okay, because she says, God said, don't eat from it. And here the woman says, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. So, and this is just speculation on my part. I think Adam was probably trying to protect his wife, the woman he loved. But he added on to what God had said. And when God speaks, it's perfect. It's complete. We shouldn't add to or take away from what the Lord says, his commands, or even what he guides us to do in our personal life. Okay, because it gives the enemy room. And he's been doing this for a long time. He's very crafty. Uh... So the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree, so this, and I may be wrong, but it says here, when the woman saw the tree, so that tells me that she maybe has never seen this tree close up before. Adam has just kind of kept her away from it in his desire to protect her. So when she saw the tree was good for food and it was delightful to the eye and that the tree was desirable for making one wise, she took its fruit and ate it. So I have to like, when I read that passage, I just kind of get into Eve's thought process. So she takes the fruit and she's, now she's holding it and she's like, well, Adam told me if I touch this that I'm going to die and I'm not dying. So... She eats it, and again, not dying. And she gave also to her husband, who now, I think, saw his wife has eaten this fruit, and 
She's not dying. So he eats. She gives to her husband and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened. And, that they, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed together fig leaves and made for themselves loin coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to them. And the man said, I'm sorry, the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, being God, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And then Adam blames his wife. And then Eve blames the serpent. And then God curses the serpent. So it's a whole slew of choices in that passage that affect all of us. Every man, woman, and child was born out of Adam. So affect us all. We were all born with a sinful nature. We're all born in sin now because of the choice of one man and one woman. So those two trees represented God's, God's given ability to choose. It's absolutely amazing to me that God went through all of this effort to create the universe, as David was talking to us about earlier, uh, through the Hubble telescope, we're able to glimpse uh, small snippets of God's creation. And I believe that when God spoke, uh, sound waves go on forever. At least we think they do. They get wider and further apart, but there's no inclination or, in, I'm sorry, indication that they stop ever. So I think God's word, when he spoke, his creative word is still creating it's still going out. It's still spreading. The universe is getting bigger and bigger. That's just my imagination, I guess. But he goes through all this effort to make all these amazing things, to make the universe, all the beautiful things we see in nature, all the incredible animals, all the plants, Animals and plants that we've yet to discover. Like, we don't, we haven't even discovered everything there is to discover on this one small planet that God created. And after all that, He gives His most precious creation, us, the ability to choose not to love Him. It's just amazing. It boggles my mind. He wanted us to choose Him, He chose us from the very beginning, but He wanted us to choose Him as well. Every choice we make has the potential for great impact. Well, I, yeah, I say every choice, but not every choice, okay? The outfit that I wore this morning probably is not going to greatly impact <laughs> the world. <laughs> but some of our choices have the potential for great impact. And Great it can be a relative term, okay? 
So great impact, you know, when I'm in the when I'm in the line at the grocery store and God says, I want you to pay for the groceries of the person behind you, that cho- the choice that you make, if you decide to obey the Lord or not, has great impact either way on that person behind you because we don't know what they're going through. They could be struggling. Maybe they don't know if, they're, uh, if their food stamp card has enough on it to pay for the groceries that they need for their family, Right? We don't know. Along with a choice being incredibly powerful, it also carries consequences. With every choice, whether those consequences are good or whether those consequences are bad, every choice carries consequences. Those consequences are ever-present. Every choice we make. So, when I was preparing for my message, I have three small kids. My oldest is eight, Olivia, and Ben's six, and Silas is two. And it's a little hectic around the house. <laughs> so, I'm preparing for my message, and I'm uh, studying, and I'm, you know, I'm reading my Bible, and Silas comes toddling over. <laughs> he just bounces everywhere he goes, and he's got two pillows from the couch. And he says, Daddy, pillow fighting. Daddy. (laughs) And he throws one of the pillows at me. (laughs) So I made the choice to have a pillow fight with my two-year-old. And that had great impact on him. It made his, his, I I won't say day, but it made his few minutes, because every few minutes he's on to something else. So we had a pillow fight right there in the middle of, of sermon prep. And... It just highlighted for me the, you know, I could have said, ah, not right now, buddy. You know, go find mommy or go find your brother. But I was like, you know what? It's on. We're going to have a pillow fight. It is on. And I'm going to destroy you, little man. (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) No. I took it easy on him. (laughs) But that may be something that he remembers. At two years old, maybe not. But when he gets a little older and he comes to me and says, hey, Dad, let's build a fort. And I say, all right, let's build a fort. It's going to be awesome. We're going to build the best fort. I actually have anchors in my wall that I put there for when we build forts. (laughs) We do. And I I hope that that's something that my kids will remember for the rest of their life. Dad was there. When I was there, I was there, you know. And those, uh, those choices that I make, hopefully, will, the consequences will be a, a woman and two men that love the Lord with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their strength. And we can look back through history and look at the consequences of choices. And, and just a few big ones from the, from the word came to mind when I was preparing and I thought of Job. You know, the consequences of his choices. This poor guy, I mean, he's like, you know, he's an entrepreneur. He's got, like, his goats over here. He's got his sheep. He's got his uh, his cows, all of his, his herds and flocks. And his, he's got his family, and they're all together. And, you know, he's, he's taking care of them all, and he's built all this up through the choices that he's made. And uh, 
here comes the devil, comes along, and he says, you know, he only loves you because you bless him so much. And God says, okay, well, you can take anything away from him, but don't touch him. And the enemy starts to steal, kill, and destroy. And Job decides, I will not blaspheme the name of the Lord. He decides to love God. And I think of the Father's heart, just how proud and how much of a blessing that must have been to God. Here's my son, and I've blessed him, and I've taught him, and I've showed him, and when it really matters, he makes the right choice. How rewarding must that be? If you guys have seen me speak before, you know I'm a crier. <laughs> uh, God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> God was like, yeah, we'll make him 6'2", 260, and cry a lot. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, the enemy continues with Job. Well, he's still got his health. He's still got his friends and his family. And God says, have at him. And Job never, he never turns his back on the Lord. Even when his wife said, Job, curse the Lord and die. It's all you have left. He decides not to curse the Lord. He said, No. No matter what happens, I love him. No matter what happens, whether he gives or takes away. May his name be praised. So at the end of the story, Job is vindicated. And God blesses him. And his flocks are even bigger. And his Sheep are even more, and he's got 10 times what he had before. And he, if he had made the choice to turn his back on the Lord, would God have blessed him with all those things? I don't know. But he said, the Lord has given it to me. The Lord has decided to take it away. May his name be praised no matter what happens. That was Job's choice. And in the end, he was blessed far beyond his original blessing. I think of Moses, just a man that had a speech impediment. You know, he was an orphan, raised in a, in a land where his own people were enslaved. God comes to him, appears to him, and I don't know, I think the burning bush choice was probably a pretty easy one because I think if I saw a burning bush that was like not consumed and it was thriving and growing, I would probably make the choice that uh, Moses made as well to follow the Lord. Take my sandals off, do what he says. <laughs> but there was a lot of hard choices thereafter for that man to take his staff and march into Pharaoh's palace and say, 
who was his brother, his adopted brother, and say to Pharaoh, uh, God commands you to let my people go. I know, I know they've been here for, uh, you know, hundreds of years, and they're your main uh, workforce, but you're going to have to let them go now. I mean, I don't know that I would have made that choice. <laughs> but God was with Moses through every choice he made, good, bad, or otherwise, because he made some bad ones. They ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years after God delivered them. With a mighty hand, they grumbled and complained. And God decided, because you have complained, uh, none of you will see the promised land. It will be for your kids, the next generation. God didn't take that blessing away, but he said it would be for the next generation. But as they wandered for 40 years, their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. They ate by the hand of the Lord. Literally food from heaven. <laughs> and when they got tired of that and wanted meat, he had animals bring them quail. Just amazing, an amazing story of God's faithfulness and the choices of a people that needed to learn who he was. Because, see, they, I mean, in a way, it wasn't all their fault because they were in slavery and they were accustomed to the gods of the Egyptians, and idolatry was normal for them. And so when they decided to form a golden calf and worship it, 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 wasn't, uh, it wasn't completely out of the ordinary for that to happen. But after all the things that God had done for them and all the things that they had seen, and the Red Sea opens up, and, and the army is, is destroyed, and, and a pillar of fire literally guides you at night. Uh, then, when they decide to turn away from all that, and, and we're going to worship this golden calf while Moses is up on the mount, uh, uh, getting the basis for our Christian uh, religion, not religion, but the basis of our Christian uh, faith, they're worshiping an idol. Not a good choice. And because of that, they didn't get to see the promised land. So that was the consequence for their choice. And, and God does not enjoy punishing his children. I know I don't enjoy punishing my children. When they do something wrong and I have to correct them, I don't enjoy it. There's no, there's no love for that in my heart because I just want them to be happy and I want them to feel blessed and loved. But I also want them to be good people. I want them to know that you can't do whatever you want anytime you want because those choices have consequences. Those choices impact other people. You can't get up in the morning and eat candy. Right, Ben? <laughs> right because then all your teeth fall out of your head and then you have to get dentures. <laughs> Consequences for our choices. So just as we train our children in the way that they should go, God trains his people and he guides them and he blesses them, but he also disciplines them 
and shows them the correct way. Fast forward out of the Old Testament into the New, we come to the disciples. What a motley crew they were, you know? And uh, a little backstory. So, like, Jesus went to each one of the disciples and he said, drop what you're doing, follow me. And so all those men uh, in the Jewish culture for a rabbi to take you on as an apprentice, or I, I don't know the right word for that, but to take you on for a rabbi to come to you and say, come with me, you're going to be my helper now, was a huge honor. So, and, and it's decided at a certain age. So all these guys had, had missed that chance. Okay, they had all gone, gone into other professions. They were fishermen, uh, tax collectors. They had all decided to do other things or, or for one reason or another were not accepted into that position. So when Jesus, a rabbi, comes to them and says, stop what you're doing, come follow me, it's a huge honor. So they all decided, you know, I was told I wasn't good enough for this position. But Jesus has given me a chance. So they all decided to drop what they were doing, follow Jesus. And there were some... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There were struggles along the way. None of them did it perfectly. You know, one, one day, Jesus was telling Peter, this is the rock on which I will build my church. And a couple days later, he's saying, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> so they didn't have it all figured out. And it was new for everybody because there was never a Jesus before. The Messiah had never come before so the disciples made choices that would impact their lives, yes, but would impact the, the nation also, yes, and eventually would impact the world. Because at, after those three years of ministry with Jesus, he's crucified, he, he, he comes back, he's risen. They finally get it. And they go out into all the world. Because Jesus' ministry was very localized. It, it was a very small area that Jesus ministered in. And it was the disciples that eventually impacted the entire world. Those disciples that originally were told they weren't good enough. But then Jesus came along and said, you're absolutely good enough. And especially, of course, Jesus made incredible choices with consequences that we all know well. He decided in the Garden of Gethsemane that he would drink from the cup of suffering. He would die on the cross for all of us so that we would have the chance to make the choice to love God. And then finally, I think of the father's choice in the very beginning to send his son. So he, he, he creates this amazing uh, world, amazing universe. And he could have scrapped the whole experiment and said, well, 
That didn't work. We'll have to start over. But he poured himself into it, and he loved his creation. He loved us so much. That he went to his son and he said, look, Jesus, we made all this. And they messed up. They made the wrong choice. But we can still fix it. We can pay for the consequences of their choice with your blood. You can go and you can die in their place. You can pay the price for their choice. And Jesus agreed. He said, I'm in. Let's do it. And the Father laid out a plan throughout time. An amazing story amazing choices along the way. And I guess my, my point of all this is that when God calls you or speaks to you or gives you, tugs on your heartstrings or gives you, a, you know, maybe an inclination that you want to do something or shouldn't do something, that we need to just pause, think about the impact of that choice and the consequences thereafter. And of course, we can't know what the future holds, but God's always there to guide us. I think about way back, you know, I shared some of my testimony last time I spoke and the choices that I had made. And God was so faithful. Every time I had the opportunity to, to do drugs or start smoking or anything like that, God was there and he guided me and I decided not to do those things. So, and it's not, I'm not better than anybody else because I made a choice one way or another because every choice determines your future. Maybe somebody made the wrong choices back then, but up here now they've decided to turn away from those choices to repent. Repent actually means to turn away from 180 degrees. So they've repented. So I felt like today that I was supposed to highlight the power of a choice. <laughs> and especially the ability to make that choice that God has given us. I can't tell you what choices to make. <laughs> Only you can do that for yourself. And God will guide you. He promises that. There's so many scriptures, and there's so, so much other stuff that I wanted to share, but I only had a certain amount of time. <laughs> but God is faithful. And if you read his word, he lays down guidelines. He makes it pretty easy to follow him, to make the, the choice that is best I don't want to say make the right choice, but to make the choice that is best for you and for your family and for those around you and for your community. 
He lays down those guidelines to help you. He didn't just place his creation here, give us the power of choice, and then leave us on our own. Because his plan was always to be with us. It was always to be with Adam and Eve. Every day he would visit them in the cool of the day. His plan was to be in fellowship with them nonstop. And because of sin, he was separated from them. But because of Jesus, now we have access to the Father once again. We have access to that fellowship. And his desire is still and has ever been to be in fellowship with us, to be close to us, to have a relationship with us. And every choice that we're faced with, big, small, or insignificant, he's there with you to help you, to guide you. So just take a moment and ask him, Lord, what should I do? It's not hard. It's not, there's not like some super spiritual ritual that you have to do. You just stop and you ask him, Father, I have this choice to make. What should I do? What, what is the choice that would please you the most, that would bring you the most glory, that would bring us together the most? And sometimes God will, will say, either. I, I've given you two good options, and it's up to you. I'll bless you either way you go. Sometimes he gives us a choice that's like, no, you really should do this. <laughs> so, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ability to come and gather in your presence. We thank you for your amazing love. We thank you for your choice to send your son to come and pay the price for our sin for the sin of our ancestor. Die in our place, Lord, to be judged in our place and now have access to you. We pray that we would fulfill your will for our lives, God, that as these choices come up, we would glorify you in every single one that we make. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't be solely inwardly focused on ourselves and our choices and the way that they affect us, but we would also be outwardly focused, Lord, and make choices that would impact the lives of the people around us in a positive way. Help us be good sons and daughters, Father. Train us in the way that we should go as we train our kids in the way that they should go. Just like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Heavenly Father, help us to be the followers that can be followed. Thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just should have done this in the beginning, but we give you control of service. We give you reign over this service. Take us in any direction you want us to go, Father. And help us make choices that please you. Pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.